Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Born Again Club Pod. My name is Troy Miller and I am the host of this podcast. Well, I've finally done it. I have um, <clears throat> created an email address for all of my listeners to be able to communicate with me. So if you've got any ideas for podcast, uh, for my podcast, um, you've got any questions of me um, that you'd like me to reply to you um, through the podcast or, or just privately through email, um, just flick me through an email at theborngainclubpod at gmail.com. That is my new email address, and I'm very excited to be able to hear from um, some of my listeners from not only Australia, but around the world, because I know that I've got plenty. So that is theborngainclubpod at gmail.com. Today's episode is all about uh, Christian persecution. So I've titled it Responding to Christian Persecution, Finding Strength and Hope in Scriptures. Um, so we'll cover a fair few things. This podcast might go a little bit longer than last week's, <clears throat> but um, I'll still strive for that half an hour um, sort of time to wrap everything up. But as always, I'd like to start off with a prayer. So if you all bow your heads with me as I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as I begin this day, I come before you with a heart filled with gratitude and reverence. Thank you for the gift of life and for your unending love, and for the countless blessings you have bestowed upon me. Lord, I surrender this day into your loving hands. Guide, me, guide my steps and lead me into the path of righteousness. Fill me with your wisdom and understanding that I may discern your will for my life and make decisions that align with your perfect plan. Grant me the strength and courage to face whatever challenges may come my way. Help me to respond to difficulties with grace, patience, and unwavering faith in your goodness. May your peace, which surpasses all understanding, guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. In moments of anxiety and uncertainty, remind me that you are in control and that I can find refuge in your presence. Lord, help me to love others as you love me. Let your compassion flow through me that I may be a source of comfort and encouragement to those around me. Teach me to forgive as you forgive, to extend grace to those who may not deserve it, just as you have extended it to me. I pray for wisdom and discernment in my relationships and interactions. May words be seasoned with kindness and grace, and may my actions reflect your love and compassion. In all things, help me to prioritize seeking your kingdom and your righteousness. Grant me a heart that desires to grow closer to you each day and to be faithful and to be a faithful steward of the gifts and resources you have entrusted to me. Lord, I lift up my dreams, hopes and aspirations to you. May they align with your purpose for my life. And may I find fulfillment and joy in following your divine guidance. And as I lay down to rest later tonight, I trust that you will watch over me and keep me safe. Thank you for your constant presence and for hearing my prayers. In your wonderful name, Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. So we're going to get straight into the podcast today because, as I said, it's going to go um, <clears throat> a little bit longer than last week. Um, 
and I just really want to dive into it. I, I feel like today's podcast is really important for <clears throat> for people who are coming back into the faith or people that are new to the faith because you will um, you will notice the more that you uh, let the world know of your Christian beliefs, the more you'll find that you'll get persecuted and and it's just natural it's a natural response to those um <clears throat> who who do to follow the faith and to those that do share their faith um it's natural for people who don't share the same faith to be critical and and to be you know share their doubts with people of of the faith so i just wanted to gather and reflect on the topic that's been prevalent throughout the history and continues to be relevant in our present time. Christian persecution. As followers of Christ, we are not immune to the challenges and adversity, but the Bible offers us guidance and encouragement on how to respond with unwavering faith, love, and hope. Let us turn to the scriptures to find inspiration and strength in the face of persecution. And we'll start off with recognizing the reality of persecution. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And that is a verse out of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. As Christians, we must acknowledge that persecution is a part of our journey. Our Lord himself experienced persecution. And we are called to follow in his footsteps. Despite the trials that we may face, we can find comfort in knowing that God is with us in every moment. So we must respond with love and forgiveness when people come at us and persecute us. And it says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Because in the face of hostility, our response should never be fueled by hatred or revenge. Instead, we are called to love our enemies and pray for those who mistreat us. This radical act of love can be powerful and be a powerful testimony to the transforming power of Christ's grace. And it comes down to trusting in God's sovereignty. And it says in Luke chapter 12, verses 11 to 12, When they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour of what you ought to say. So in times of persecution, fear may tend or may attempt to overwhelm, you but as we're reminded that we need not be anxious for the holy spirit will provide us with the words and wisdom we need trusting in god's sovereignty enables us to face our trials with confidence knowing that he is in control which we now uh, turn our attention to finding joy in suffering so this is a verse from Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 to 12. 
Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So though it may seem counterintuitive, scriptures teaches us to find joy in suffering for Christ's sake. Our suffering is not in vain, and a great reward awaits us in heaven. By focusing on eternity rather than our temporary struggles, we can find strength to endure with a spirit of rejoicing. And then we need to remain steadfast in faith. And as it says in John chapter 16, verse 33, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. As Christians, our faith is not shielded from challenges, yet we find peace in the promises that Christ has overcome the world. Let us remain steadfast in our faith, knowing that our Lord is with us through every trial, providing us with the strength we need to endure. So, brothers and sisters, as we face the reality of Christian persecution, let us draw upon the wisdom and encouragement found in God's Word. Through love, forgiveness, trust, joy, and steadfast faith, we can respond to persecution in a way that honors Christ and bears witness to His transforming care. In the midst of our trials, let us remember the words of the Apostle Peter. But rejoice! insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. And that's in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13. May our response to persecution shine as a beacon of hope, drawing others into the light of Christ's love and salvation. Amen. So I guess I just wanna, I wanted to answer a couple of questions that I've had um, throughout my Christian journey. Um, and I really thought about it, and um, I've sort of come up with my own my own answers. But I've sort of so I've asked a question. I have um, I've gone to the Word, so I've read the Bible, and I've tried to interpret things, and I've come out with a list of ideas or answers that um, sort of explain away some of the questions that I have personally and I'm sure there's other people out there that have had the exact same questions as myself so one of my questions well a few of my questions all in a row were how can we as Christians react to people who question it or debate our beliefs how can we respond to people who try to prove the Bible wrong and how do we respond to people who criticize us for our beliefs so the answer I come to as Christians, we, how we respond to people who question or debate our beliefs, as well as those who try to prove the Bible wrong or criticize us for our faith, is crucial. Our responses should reflect the love, grace, and humility that Christ demonstrated during his time on earth. Here are some, here are some of the principles that I've come up with to guide our interactions. 
And as I've said before, I'm not a pastor, I'm not a professional, um, I don't claim to have all the answers, but this is just something that I've come up with that I've taken from the word that I thought that I would share that could help you guys. Um, <clears throat> and it's something that I would like to really focus on in my life as well. So number one is listen with empathy. So when engaging in discussions, listen attentively to the other person's perspective without interrupting or dismissing their views. We need to seek to understand their concerns, doubts, or criticisms and show empathy towards their feelings and their experiences. And that's that's not just when it comes to a debate around people's faith or or religion or or anything. It can be political views. It can be uh, world views. Um, there's a lot of things in the world these days about you know transgender and um, you know the LGBTQ plus um, movement. Um, and and it's the same with that. Although it's not within our beliefs, we have to treat these people with a sense of understanding um, and show empathy towards them. Because as Christians, we're taught that no matter what, we have to love everybody. Because that's what the main message of Christianity is. Which draws us into being um, to having respectful dialogue. So engage in respectful and civil dialogue. Avoid being defensive or resorting to a personal attack. Treat others with kindness and respect, even if they hold opposing beliefs. So again, the same as number one, we need to just really respect what the other person believes. We don't have to agree with it, but we need to be respectful of what they're saying. Because if we want that respect granted to us, we need to be able to give it back as well. And that's just that's not just a Christian thing, that's just a, a common sense sort of thing. Number three is that we need to be humble. Recognize that none of us possess perfect knowledge or understanding. Be humble about your faith and acknowledge that there are aspects of God's plan and the Bible that may be challenging to grasp fully. Because even as a Christian coming back into the faith, some things are hard to fully grasp. And, and you know, there is questions that pop up even to some of the most, um, you know, some of the, the biggest believers that I know. You know, some of the most devout Christians can struggle to fully grasp or comprehend. And that's because we can't really comprehend God's word fully because, you know, we are just, we are just human at the end of the day. Um, number four would be to share your faith with gentleness. So when responding to questions or criticism, Share your beliefs with gentleness and humility. Use language that is compassionate and considerate. And avoid a confrontational tone. Number five, use scripture wisely. When discussing the Bible, use scripture thoughtfully and in context. That is massively important. While the Bible is a reliable source of truth, it may not be immediately evident to someone who does not share the same faith. Share relevant passages and explain them in a loving manner. So it's important to really, if you're going to use scripture to defend what you're saying or to back up what you're saying, you really need to understand that scripture that you are sharing um, and you want to make sure that it's being shared in context 
because it'd be so easy for someone who doesn't believe the same thing. If you're sharing a, a scripture out of context, out of context, they're going to jump on that straight away, and it's just going to um, floor your argument completely. Number six, acknowledge doubts and questions. It's okay to acknowledge that there may be a difficult or challenging aspect of the Bible or Christianity. Addressing doubts and questions with honesty and empathy can lead to a more meaningful conversation. Not only does it lead to a more meaningful conversation, but if you can stay calm, acknowledge the doubts, hear what they're saying, and you can explain it in a way that can start to make sense to them, well, then you're starting to plant seeds. Which, is, as Christians, that's what we're... That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to plant seeds to bring more people back to Jesus, back to God. Number seven, and it's one of the most important um, aspects or one of the most important points that I think um, I've come up with here for this scenario, and it's to pray for guidance. So seek God's guidance in your conversations. Pray for wisdom and discernment to respond effectively and loving to those who question your beliefs. Because if we've got a relationship with God, we already speak to him. So he already knows us. We already know him. So if we can pray to him for the guidance, he will take us down a path where it'll make it easier for us to be able to be able to explain ourselves or to be able to explain our point of view and explain God's word to people that don't believe. Number eight, focus on common ground. Look for areas of agreement and common ground in your discussions. Finding shared values or beliefs can foster understanding and create a more positive atmosphere for the conversation. Number nine, set healthy boundaries. If a conversation becomes too heated or unproductive, Know when it's appropriate to step back and take a break. Remember that not every debate will result in a change of opinion, and that's okay. And as Christians, we need to be slow to anger as well. So if a debate is starting to become heated, or you can see that the other person's starting to get frustrated, or you can feel yourself starting to get frustrated, it's very important to know your own boundaries and to step back and say, okay, I don't think this is going anywhere. So I'd like to stop this conversation now. And there's nothing wrong with that. Even if they shout at you there, you've got nothing, you've got nothing to say to me. I've won the debate. You know you're wrong. Just turn the other cheek and walk the other way. Number 10, model Christ's love. Ultimately, the way we respond to others is a reflection of our faith. Let your actions and words embody the love and compassion of Christ, even in the challenging conversations and just remember our goal is not to win arguments but to share the truth of the gospel with love and grace planting seeds of faith may take time and it is the work of the holy spirit to bring about transformation in people's hearts trusting god's timing and sovereignty and continue to be a witness for christ through your actions and your responses Sometimes as Christians, um, there's an element of embarrassment. Especially, 
not for somebody who has been a Christian their whole life and they're really devout, but someone like myself who has been an atheist um, in the past or has been agnostic or whatever and is coming in to Christianity, become born again and is starting to explore the faith more seriously, it can be an element of embarrassment when you come out as a Christian. Um, and there can be, I guess, a little bit of, not, for lack of a better term, shame. Um, but mostly embarrassment. But my question would, would be, how to live without shame as a Christian? So living without shame as a Christian is a liberating and transformative experience. Shame can be a powerful negative emotion that hinders our relationship with God and with others. Here are some practical steps that I've come up with once again to help you live without shame as a Christian. And as I said, these are just my steps that I've come up with. But I hope that by sharing them with you, it gives you um, a little bit of a a little bit of a guide onto how you can navigate around um, your embarrassment or shame. So embrace number one: embrace God's unconditional love. Understand and internalize the truth that God loves you unconditionally. His love is not based on your performance or worth or worthiness, but on His grace and mercy. When you fully grasp God's love, shame loses its grip on your heart. It's important to confess and repent, and that's number two. If you have sins or mistakes in your past that are causing shame, confess them to God and seek His forgiveness. Remember that through Christ's sacrifice you have been forgiven and cleansed from all unrighteousness. So, for me, I've done things in the past that I'm not proud of and that makes me feel like a hypocrite when I turn around and I tell people I'm Christian. And even to this day, I still slip up and I still say things that may not seem very Christian or, you know, I may have stories from the past that people go, what? And you claim to be Christian, but you have to remember... God forgives us if you confess and repent. Number three, renew your mind. Fill your mind with God's word and his promises. Meditate on scriptures that affirm your identity in Christ and his love for you. Let his truth replace any negative thoughts or lies that contribute to shame. Number four, avoid comparison. Comparing yourself to others can lead to feeling of inadequacy and shame. Instead, focusing on being the person God created you to be and to celebrate the unique gifts and talents he has given to you. And that's something I personally still struggle with myself. But I want to retrain myself to be the person that God created me to be and to celebrate my unique gifts and talents that he's given to me. Number five, surround yourself with supportive community. So connect with other Christians who can provide encouragement, accountability, and support. A loving and understanding community can help you navigate through feelings of shame and provide a safe space to share your struggles. 
Number six, practice self-compassion. Treat yourself with the same compassion and grace that God extends to you. Remember that no one is perfect and everyone makes mistakes. Be kind to yourself, acknowledging that you are a work in progress. And you always will be a work in progress. Number seven, let go of past hurts. Release any bitterness or resentment that you may hold towards others who have contributed to your feelings of shame. Forgiveness is not only a command from God, but it also sets you free from the burden of carrying grudges. Number eight, serve others. Engage in acts of service and kindness. Helping others can shift your focus from internal struggles to external impact, and it aligns with Christ's call to love our neighbours as ourselves. Number nine, once again, pray and seek God's presence. Spend time in prayer and cultivate a deeper relationship with God. Draw near to Him and let His presence fill you with peace and security. And number 10, seek professional help if you need it. If feelings of shame are overwhelming and persistent, don't hesitate to seek professional counseling or therapy. So there's Christian counselors out there as well. Go to your church, speak to your pastor, speak to other Christians, friends. A trained professional, though, can help you work through deep-seated issues and provide tools for healing. Remember, living without shame does not mean living without humility or self-awareness of our imperfections. It means living in the fullness of God's grace, acknowledging our humanity and walking in the freedom and redemption that Christ offers. Trust in his transformative powers to renew your mind and your heart and step out into the abundant life he has prepared for you. So, my next question that came into my head was, why should we not worry about other people's opinions about our Christian beliefs? And so again, I meditated on God's word. I, I went to the Bible and I, I, I just found passages that really explained why we shouldn't worry about what other people's opinions about our beliefs. We should not worry about other people's opinions about our beliefs. So as Christians, we should not worry excessively about other people's opinions or or our beliefs for several reasons. Number one being God's approval matters most. So ultimately, it's it's God's opinion that holds the greatest significance. Our primary concern should be living in obedience to him and seeking his approval rather than seeking validation from others. And in Galatians um, chapter 1, verses 10, it says... Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And that's important to remember that we must always, always put God first. People on the earth's opinion is important, but it's not the most important. Number two, persecution is expected. Jesus warned his disciples that they would face opposition and persecution because of their faith. 
If we hold fast to our Christian beliefs, it is natural that some of some people may disagree or criticize us. And in John chapter 15, verses 18 to 20, it says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to this world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Number three, the Bible foretells disagreement. The Bible tells us that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18, it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So we should not be surprised when some people do not understand or accept our beliefs. Number four, faith is personal. Each person's faith journey is unique and deeply personal. While we cannot share our beliefs with others, their response is ultimately their own responsibility. We cannot control how others perceive or respond to our faith. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, it says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your hearts to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Number five, we are called to be salt and light. Jesus described believers as the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Our focus should be on shining the light of Christ through our actions and words, not on seeking the approval of others. So in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 14, it says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Number six, it's a testimony to God's work within us. When we respond with grace and love to those who disagree with us, it can be a powerful testimony of God's transforming work in our lives. Our Christ-like character can speak volumes to those around us. And it says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 to 16, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping clear conscience, so that those who speak malicely against you and your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Number seven, standing firm in truth. We are called to hold fast to the truth of God's word and not be swayed by the opinions of others. Our faith should be grounded in the unchanging truth of scriptures, not in the shifting opinions of the world. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 to 17, it says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching. Rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped 
for every good work. And number eight, freedom from people-pleasing. Worrying about others' opinions can lead to people-pleasing behavior, which can be spiritually detrimental. Instead, we should seek to please God and live in a way that honors Him. So, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, it says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Number nine, remembering who we are in Christ. Our identity as Christians is rooted in Christ, not in the approval or disapproval of others. Knowing who we are in him can provide a strong foundation for facing criticism or opposition. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9, it says, But you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who call you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. And the last point, number 10, focus on sharing God's love. Instead of worrying about other people's opinions, let us focus on sharing God's love and grace, and truth with those around us. Our goal should be to lead others to Christ, not to gain their approval. And in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, it says, And so we know and rely on the love of God that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in his love lives in God, and God in them. So, We should not worry about other people's opinions about Christian beliefs because our primary concern is to live faithfully before God and be witness for Christ. Opposition and disagreement are to be expected, but our focus should remain on the glorifying God, on glorifying God and sharing his love with a world in need of his grace. And so the last part that I really want to touch on in this podcast is the final question I had um, that I asked myself today, and that was how to defend God and Jesus in a debate. Because for me, I I live around and I interact with a lot of people that don't share my beliefs. And when they hear me talking about Jesus or my Christian faith, they will start coming in and they'll persecute me, they'll attack me, and they'll they will question me. And I haven't always been strong enough to be able to answer the questions that they're throwing at me because I haven't been strong enough in my faith and I haven't meditated on God's word enough and I, I haven't lived in his word enough. So it was always hard for me to be able to respond um, to people's persecution. But defending God and Jesus in a debate requires a combination of knowledge, wisdom, and a respectful attitude towards those with differing beliefs. So here are some things that I come up with today um, to help effectively defend our faith in a debate. Um, And it was, again, the answers came from meditating on God's word. So number one, the most important thing is to know your faith. Study and familiarize yourself with the teachings of Christianity. Understand the foundational beliefs, key doctrines, and the evidence supporting your faith. 
Knowing the Bible well is essential for defending Christian beliefs. Number two, listen carefully. In any debate, it is crucial to listen carefully to the arguments of the other person. Show respect and demonstrate that you are genuinely interested in understanding their perspective. Number three, stay calm and respectful. Maintain a calm and respectful demeanor throughout the debate, avoiding responding with anger or personal attacks as it can undermine your credibility. Especially as a Christian, when you're debating on behalf of Christians and you attack someone personally, it completely undermines you, your credibility as a Christian, because we preach love. It's one of, it's, if not the most important uh, commandment, it is one of the most important commandments. It's, it's to love your neighbor. Number four, use reason, uh, reason and logic. Engage in logical reasoning and critical thinking when presenting your arguments. Use evidence, historical facts, and logical deductions to support your beliefs. Number five, share your personal testimony. Share your personal experience and how your faith has impacted your life. Personal testimonies can be powerful in conveying the transformative nature of faith. And let me tell you, if... You are like me, which a lot of Christians are, a lot of newborn Christians or born-again Christians have got amazing testimonies, amazing testimonies of transformation. Number six, focus on core beliefs. In a debate, it is essential to focus on the core beliefs of Christianity rather than getting sidetracked in peripheral issues. Stick to the central tenets of the faith. Number seven, acknowledge limitations. Be humble and willing to acknowledge when you don't have all the answers. It's okay to say, I don't know. And commit to seeking further understanding. Of course, we're not going to know everything. The Bible is intricate. It takes a long time to read the Bible, let alone understand it. And there's pastors and, and, and people out there that have been studying the Bible for decades that still have to refer back to the Bible when they're, they're trying to explain things because it is so hard to comprehend and to understand. And remember that like everyone interprets the Bible differently as well. Number eight, address misconceptions. If your opponent has misconceptions about Christianity, gently correct them with accurate information and avoid using strawman arguments. And what I mean by that is to do not... Um, exaggerate or, or underplay certain arguments. Use scriptures wisely. So this is number nine. Use relevant Bible verses to support your arguments, but make sure to interpret them in a context with understanding. Make sure, as I said earlier, that you use any Bible verses or scripture in context. Otherwise, it is going to be used against you. Number 10, pray for wisdom. Seek guidance from the Holy Spirit in your discussions. Pray for wisdom and discernment to respond effectively and with grace. And number 11, I think the second most important thing, plant seeds. Remember that your role may be to plant seeds of truth rather than to win the debate outright. Trust that God can work in the hearts of others over time, and He will. I've spent 
good part of five years planting seeds. Ever since I've become born again, I've been planting seeds in people who absolutely refute God, absolutely refute the Bible. I plant seeds, and over time I can see that it's slowly starting to grow and God is working through them. And these, some of these people are starting to pray and starting to talk about God more, which I can see God working through them. And that's because seeds have been planted. It's very important as Christians that we're planting seeds wherever we go. Even if the person we are planting the seed in is completely against the Bible. Number 12 and my last point that I want to share with you is stay grounded in love. Above all, let love guide your responses. Love for God and love for others should be the foundation of your defense. Remember that the goal of defending your faith is not to defeat or humiliate your opponent, but to engage in a meaningful dialogue. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate convincer, and our role is to be the faithful witnesses and ambassadors of Christ's love and truth. Brothers and sisters, thank you so much for joining me. This one was a bit longer, again, but I really think that the the message from today's podcast is very, very important, especially for people, and I feel like there's a lot of people out there that are born again that are or coming into the faith of the new and they're listening to my podcast. They really struggle with some of these um these situations that I've covered today um, with with people um, either persecuting them for their beliefs or they've got a bit of embarrassment or shame around their beliefs or they get into debate, debates with people about their beliefs. Listen to this podcast or go back and listen to the points often or as many times as you need to understand the key points of what I've spoken about today because they come, it, it all comes from the foundation of God's word. And he's drawn me in to certain verses in scripture to be able to pull out and place in front of me um, into words so I can share with you guys. Once again, thank you for listening. If you would like to give me feedback on my podcast, ask me questions, um, ask me to cover something in upcoming episodes, please email me at thebornagainclubpod at gmail.com. Until next week, guys and girls, please, if you are struggling with anything, if you're struggling with with depression or, um, you know, relationship problems, money problems, um, you've lost your job, anything, please lift it up to God and lay it at his feet because our issues down on this earth do not belong to us. Surrender everything to him, leave it in his in his hands and have faith and trust him and talk to him and pray for his powerful blessings, his healing and just his mercy and just above all just trust trust our God because he is almighty he is all forgiving and he is a fixer and he'll fix all of our problems if we let him have them he says take them they're not yours to bear I really hope that you all have a really 
really great week. I hope that um, you can be blessed. I hope that um, job job offers come up. I hope that um, you know you come into good financial situations. I hope that you can promote it at work. I hope that uh, I hope that your boyfriend proposes to you. I hope that you just have a really great week. And I just really, really just want everyone to stay blessed. Until next week, thanks for listening, guys.